recording. So here we are now. Finally did it. Me and uh, Mr. Alex Rushing are finally together to do the yes, o- OKP number 10, big number 10. And uh, we're excited to do it uh, with the interview or with a discussion with a guest. Uh, we've been working on it for the last week or two weeks. And this past week, I flaked. I was the flake, biggest flake. <laughs> flaked two times. And uh, Alex uh, flaked one time. So it was a total combination for, I think, two, two, three, four flakes. But here we are Sunday night, ready to record, ready to discuss life. Perseverance so, uh, is key. Perseverance is key. But uh, I think a, a good way to open it up is you are you're a couple of years younger than, than me and my friend group, right? I mean, you're, how old are you? Uh, 25. 25, two years younger. So we're all in the same same age group. And I think that maybe if you could give a little color on just what it's been like post-college and coming into the real world and some of the, you know, what's your experience been? You know, what do you think about all this? I mean, you've heard the podcast, <laughs> you've heard the previous podcasts, and, and I, that's kind of what I talk about. So just maybe what, what's your take? Yeah, um, no, I appreciate uh, I appreciate some of the stuff you're talking about. Um, I mean, it's been a wild ride. Um, my, I mean, ha- almost finished with college is uh, you know 2016 in the Trump election. Uh, so that was I, I think. I think everyone agrees that as as we look forward, as we look back, as we move forward in time, um, that that's going to be a pretty pivotal time or event. Um, so that's been interesting. I think uh, not not because of that itself, but I think it's kind of a good signal point of like this is kind of when I started entering the real world from school. Um, I, for a little bit of background, I'm originally from the South. Um, uh, on the Gulf Coast, basically Alabama, but just barely Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I can almost see Alabama from where I'm sitting. Um, and had a military family, so I moved around a little bit. Um, so I don't have as thick of an accent as some of my peers or family members. Um, and went overseas to high school in the middle of high school, moved overseas and then moved back to Atlanta to go to school. So I went back to the South and then after that, I got a job in Seattle. So it was my first time kind of living in the States outside of the South. It was the first time I ever went West of the Mississippi. Um, really, uh, when I moved out there. So that was also kind of an interesting cultural shift on a personal level. Um, and I think, I went out there to go work for, you know, one of the big tech companies. I won't say names, but um, that's been a quite an eye-opening experience as well. Um, it's one of those things where, from such a far distance, you really don't appreciate what it's like until you're kind of in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I moved out there with um, with Dean, which, for context, of people who don't know, um, is one of our mutual friends. Um, so we've been together since we moved out there and we've kind of, uh, which it, it's been nice to have a partner kind of to go through that process. Um, so it's not the same, I think moving with a military 
um, and while you're still in school. It's a lot easier, I think, to make friends. You go to school and you see people, but when you're out in the real world, you don't have that structure. Um, yeah, but I guess it's kind of a, a little overview of of that. Um, so that, then, I think that you touched on a good point. Is that yeah, that's an interesting time. Um, I too graduated. And along with basically all of us, you know, our friend group pretty much all graduated in either 2015 or 2016. And that is a pivotal moment. And like you said, we all look back on 2016 to 2020 and, and politics aside, I mean, it was just a, uh, a defining chapter in, in our history as, as individuals. And you partic- in particular had quite a bit going on. It sounds like, I mean, I know I actually had forgotten about this, but you, <clears throat> you did live in Italy for an extended period of time. Uh, so you have that uh, cultural aspect to you, but then you also come back and you, like you said, the first time going across the the Mississippi um, is basically your first entry into uh, the real world. And as you just touched on, I mean, it's difficult to meet new friends. Um, it's difficult to meet people and you kind of just, you know, like I touched on in, in one of my previous podcasts, I remember just asking myself a few months after I took off in the real world, uh, just asked myself like, this is it, you know, this is what, this is what we've been promised, or this is what we all, you know, are, are supposed to be doing. And, uh, I mean, how was that for you, you know, especially with giving your contact in, in Italy and, and all the change that you had going on? I mean, yeah, I actually, um, I think, uh, I apologize if you can hear anything in the background there. No um, problem. There's um, an interesting thing was when I was in Italy at the time, um, my, because both of my parents were veterans, so I was able to get some of their GI Bill. But the catch mm-hmm. to that was I had to go straight from high school to college. I couldn't take any time off, but I really wanted to take a gap year. Um, and that's something that I've still kind of, I feel like, uh, I mean, most people I feel like can relate to this. You just feel like you've kind of been working, you know, uh, the whole time just straight into it. Um, I, I interned or worked or did a co-op of some kind every break semester I had in college. So I never, since, since the summer after high school, I haven't really had a break. Um, and that was a hard choice. Um, for me, cause I really wanted to take time off and especially being in Europe at the time, that's where my network was. This is where my friends were. Um, so making that jump was was pretty big. And in some ways, I was ashamed of being from like the rural deep south. Uh, but it felt kind of like a regression in my mind, actually going to college um, back in the south, even though Atlanta's kind of a big city and it's happening. Uh, back then, it was kind of like, Man, I, I feel like I'm kind of forced into it a little bit. And like to your point, this is you're supposed to do this. You got to go to school. Um, like I, my mom didn't go to college, and to her it was like this is you got to do. It. You got to go to school. You got to go to school. Uh, you got to go to school. You got to get your good job, and then you get married, have kids, settle down, and die. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. I mm-hmm. I know yeah. this sounds kind of cliche, but um, I think that's the general societal uh, storyline that we're told that we have to follow. That's that's exactly what I 
what I feel as well. And I think that I think it it makes total sense. And this is a, a hypothesis or a theory of mine that I've had uh, for a little while. And I don't know, you know, the the specifics to your family situation, but uh, with my family situation, you know, neither one of my parents went to college, um, and neither one of them were were from uh, wealthy families at all. Um, so they're kind of like, I've always kind of said that people that are in those roles, uh, you're kind of almost in survival mode, you know, where it's like, uh, you can dream big, you can do all these things. But at the end of the day, it's like, dude, I, I, you know, I don't have, I didn't have the privilege of, of, uh, having a, a family that can really provide for me. Um, I didn't have the privilege to, uh, apply and go to college uh and just kind of <clears throat> what i say is, is i like for you and i i mean you know again you correct me if i'm wrong but like i was always able to kind of just be like uh it allowed me the ability to dream you know it allowed me the ability to kind of really sit and think about what it is i wanted to do in life as opposed to being in this survival mode where it's like it's like, yeah, I have some decisions on where I can go and what I want to do, but at the end of the day, like, I need to make money to, to provide for my family. Whereas, uh, myself, you know, I, I didn't have to do that at such a young age, and it, it developed me into where I am today. Which I think, you know, I guess my point is, is that's where I think the 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 push from our parents um, and from society in general comes from, uh, where they're saying go to work. Or go to go to college, get your get your degree, get your job, and so on and so forth. And uh, I don't know where it ends. You know, I, don't, I really don't know how it ends. I don't know. I don't know. I also understand that it's it's necessary for to maintain the equilibrium within society. But uh, the difficulty of getting out of that rat race is is frustrating. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, the golden handcuffs. Um, it's it's sort of a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Where um, we have a house over our heads, we're fed, um, we have all the basic essentials, and then some. Um, so you're kind of seeking the next level of your needs to be satisfied, right? Right, right, good. And um, I think in don't 100 percent quote me on this there i've read about you know some um studies that have looked at the concept of of course how do we define these words but i'm going to use them and if anyone is of interest go dig into them further but there's studies that suggest there's something like 60 to 80 percent of people are quote-unquote followers um there's like the internet joke that 80 percent of people are npcs um you know yeah kind of non-role playing characters just computers just kind of going through the simulation um and i don't know if that has to do with it per se but i think some people are built where they're more comfortable with say working ration as as just another piece of this giant machine um whereas others are sort of built to kind of do their own thing Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one thing that I feel like having had conversations with you before in the past and listening to your podcast is, uh, something I feel like I can connect with you on is you kind of have all those other needs met, 
Um, but at the same time, they're met through a means in which you aren't fulfilling the higher level. Mm -hmm. Great way of putting it. And so I think you're trying to find a way to replace that mechanism with something that can, rather than just fill your base needs, fill your base needs and your higher level needs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, for you, one of your big passions is, is baking, making bread. Um, and I, I love that what I've seen you doing with that. Um, Cause I, I, I have a few friends that I feel like I have these conversations with some of them take more action than others. And uh, I just, I, I love that you're taking action to kind of try to move to use the different mechanisms to fulfill those needs and desires. Yeah, no, I, I, I uh, that's a, that's a really good way of thinking about it. I actually didn't, uh, you know, I've never thought about it that way and it's, but it's still it's completely accurate. And uh, I think I agree with you. I, I agree with you, especially in terms of the, the internet joke talking about non-role-playing characters. And I wonder, though, you know, how many of those those NPCs uh, would really be role-playing characters if it weren't for the external influences that society really puts on us, you know, especially nowadays. You know, I, I see I see groups of, of people um, where it's almost social pressure that creates them uh and i feel like now more than ever that that social pressure is is uh at an all-time high because obviously you know we didn't have those types of pressures back when our parents were our age nowadays you see you know i feel it too i feel when i see someone that's my age getting married i see them getting a kid i see them buying a house or or really excelling at their career uh career job at a corporation you know i feel um I question like, dude, what the fuck am I doing? You know what I mean? Like, like I question that. And it's not, you know, I, I can check myself, you know, I don't fall into a big spiral, but, uh, you know, how many, like, how, how many people does that feeling drive to become, you know, non-role playing characters, you know? And that's, that's scary, you know, cause it's, it's yeah. essentially you're talking about people just giving up on their, their internal compass and giving up on their, their own personal dreams. Yeah. I, Man, um, I'm 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 glad you brought that up because it's a it's a very interesting topic and a topic I've definitely been thinking a lot about. Um, I, it's a it's an interesting thought too because it's how many people would if um, society was pushing us down a more let's say open path to kind of um, you know follow whatever different uh, passions you had rather than you know, get your white collar job um, and follow that standard path. How much of that pushes us to be these, these people that kind of just, I don't want to say zombie, like, cause I feel like it's a little bit harsh, but just or sheep. And, and those feel harsh, but you know what I mean? Where you're kind of just following that, the pressure. Your point though too is it's, it seems like that pressure that pushes people and that's only getting stronger um and i mean you kind of you see it with especially at, not to bash on social media completely but you see it through social media um you see it through kind of a dividing uh you know they say that k-shaped recovery or whatever um mm -hmm. kind of divisions of people having a hard time right and some people 
not having as hard of a time financially. Um, well, that's but, where I, I, I do agree with you. I think that a lot of it is stemmed from social media. And I think it also has a lot to do with um, the way in which we use that energy, you know, because I mean, there's a certain level of energy that is, 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 you know, I, I, I look at this picture of so-and-so um, and it makes me feel a certain way. And like, I can do one of two things with that. I can, one, I can either, you know, buck up and kind of be like, you know what, I'm, I'm staying true to what I know. I'm staying true to what I know. And I know that like, yeah, dude, eventually I will have a family and a house and, and, and all these things, but I'm working on this other path and like, I'm, I'm, I'm staying true to that. Or I can use that, that feeling and, and go down. So I think, you know, social media is a big, big external pressure. I think the the individual who's experiencing that, you know, their own personality and, and traits play into it. Um, and you I mean, know, it's just, a, it's just, it's just, it's, and then you have, like you said, you have, you have, uh, you know, socioeconomic issues where it's like there are people out there undoubtedly that straight up are in survival mode. You know, they're in survival mode. It's like, I, I can't, sorry, I can't do this. And that is, we save that problem for, you know, another conversation, <laughs> but that's a, that's another story, you know, that's, that's another one. But uh, I think, like you said, individuals like you and I, where it's like, you know what, we kind of see, you know, I don't know about you, but when I, when I, got my first job in, in the financial industry banking. Um, I was excited. I was, I was, yeah. you know, like I thought I was like, dude, you know what? Like I was, I was drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, I was like, dude, hell yeah. Like, you know, I'm a, like I puffed my chest out and I like, think I'm a oh, big yeah. banker and like, just <laughs> kind of like, you're like, hell yeah. Like, like this is what yeah. I went to school for. Like, yeah. And then like, I remember like I would get into my job and like, really? Like I realized I'm like, dude, I'm literally just data entry right now you know like very i'm not a banker like i'm just like you just, know not you know very at the very beginning you know and like you get humbled and then you you kind of just slowly start to make these realizations and uh you know like you said i mean there are people out there that that are okay with that you know what i mean and and, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and and i've there's been times where i've told dean i'm like dude honestly like like there's part of me that wishes that I was totally happy with my current situation and I was totally content because dude, how great would it be? Huh? I got a good job. I got a, a truck. I got I'm very lucky with the position that I have, but it's like, dude, like at the end of the day, like what, what type of pill are you swallowing? You know, are you swallowing? Yeah. Are you just saying, are you just saying, fuck it? Like just push those, those feelings of, of uh, discontent down and, and, stick with what you know is good. Um, and so, I mean, what was it for you? Like how, how did, how did you, you know, you went into the tech industry cause I'm not familiar with the tech world. So you went into the tech industry feeling like a big fish. Uh, and what was the realization process for you to kind of say, maybe this isn't what I, what I, what everything was all chalked up to be. Um, oh man. So yeah, I, I definitely, that all resonates with me a lot. Um, you know, kind of coming from, you know, not, not a poor family or anything, but, you know, coming from like a, a not as well off small town and, and, uh, not 
knowing anything about this and thinking, yeah, I'm a big dick swinger. Like I got this big job at big tech company. Like this is what I've been spending all these years towards. Like, um, and then there and it's kind of like fresh face, you know, you go in and you're just, I went and I got my desk and I was actually in a weird scenario, but, um, I went in there and, I, I got these projects and I was working on these projects, working my ass off. And, um, I know once, so you kind of have generally, let's say two to four years before you get promoted to non-entry level, um, of, of a software engineer. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I had heard of people that did it in a year and a half. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to rise through the ranks and I'm going to, bust my ass and it's as you do it you just realize you're working on all these tiny things in this giant machine uh, and you see the biggest thing for me I, I think I would say is as I looked to the people to be mentors that were older let's say like someone in their 30s that's um, mm -hmm. a more senior engineer or a manager or more senior than that even um, I started like I'd meet with them and I'd talk with them and fortunately, one of them I had was actually a very good manager, but I, or a mentor. And I talked to him, and it just, it, I would see these people that'd be in their mid 30s that were just miserable. And I mean, these are people that are worth millions of dollars at this point, mm -hmm. right? Like they're making a third of a million dollars a year just doing their 40. And happy. Uh, not to, sorry, not Alex, to be, you, cut, uh, like, you cut out a little bit. About anyone's like, yeah. you cut out there for a second, lagging a little bit. Uh, you were saying that you, you, you had met these guys that were in their mid thirties and they were making a third of a million bucks a year, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, upwards, right? Like half a million. Uh, yeah. Some of them even more, and they just didn't seem happy. And I would talk to them, and it's like, oh, what do you do for fun? Oh, I hang out with my family and uh, I hang out with my family and that's that's it's like what's your hobbies you know yeah. like that's it like oh yeah. talking about your favorite Netflix show and it's like dude this and a lot of them didn't seem like they took good care of their bodies uh, I mean I well, and there's horror stories that I heard of like um I mean fortunately for me I didn't experience this but one of my uh, managers actually had told me a story about his manager years back who actually just went home one day and died. He was like late 30s yeah. and just yeah. had a stroke and died. Yeah. And the guy had just worked in a corporate job for, went to college, yeah. corporate job, and that was mm -hmm. that. It's like, I, I was, I looked at that and I was like, I mean, I don't want that. I don't want to. Um, not care about my well-being, my my physical health. I don't want to just be chasing the the money and seeing the scoreboard go up in my bank account. Um, well, you touched on you touched on two things there that I want to elaborate on, and and one is is like you said, you know, you're chasing all this money, uh, you're climbing the corporate ladder, you're you're following along the rat race and doing everything you think, but if you stop and really look at it you know, you're not, you're not taking care of your body. You're not, uh, pursuing any sort of passion. You're not having a hobby. Like 
literally all you do is that. And and what I've come to kind of realize is that it's kind of that podcast where I talked about the ghost runner and it's that, that person that you see yourself as what you, what you know you want and what you could do, but you just kind of just don't do, you kind of push that down. And what my kind of realization is, is that the more true to that ghost runner you are, the more you do things that you want to do, you know, the more you, you, the more you do things where it's like, it's like, uh, I do take care, you know, I'm not talking, you know, I, I try to take care of myself, but it's like, you know, in, in baking for me, I see all of the things that I want to do, you know, and that that's outside of baking. You know, I see that with, with baking full time, replacing the mechanism, as you say, I can do the podcast. I can write more. I can take better care of my body. I can take more time to, to, study and and develop my understanding of buddhism i can i can do all these things that would contribute towards my own mental and physical health whereas if i was just chasing you know i i would you know for for basically four years i'd come home from work and first thing i do is like you know I, i'd maybe probably i usually got in a habit of working out after work but i'd come home and just hit the bong and eat some food and watch Netflix and then fucking go to bed, you know? Yeah. That was oh, my yeah. routine. Actually, and that's, that's, uh, that's, um, an interesting point. I, I, I failed to mention this. Um, I didn't think about it, but, um, I, when I first started working, I, you know, I was super excited about it. And as I started putting myself so much into work, cause I was convinced I wanted to get that promotion and get that money, get that raised. Um, I was doing the same thing, right? Like I'd come home, I crack open a beer. I wasn't running, I wasn't lifting, I wasn't. Yeah, I'd eat out and just mm-hmm. eat some crap food. Um, and I actually, a bit of a addition to this was when I moved there, I broke up with the girlfriend I had been dating in college because I was moving mm-hmm. across the country and all sorts of other things. Um, conversation for another time, but that coupled with the stress of working so much, I actually started having um, these insane stomach pains. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to the doctor and they thought I had an ulcer. So I, I cut out booze, I cut out caffeine, I cut out spicy food, everything, which are like most of my vices. And I, I went cold Turkey for like six months and then finally got in to see a specialist. And he was like, he's like, you know, man, the same thing happened to me when I first started my career. It's stress. It's the physical mm-hmm. manifestation of you being stressed and seeing these things. And I, I just think it's a point that I, I remembered and I wanted to make, uh, as you were saying, like I, I wasn't yeah. taking care of myself and, and it can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. Um, and it's, it's a very real existential stress. It is absolutely. And that's where, you know, kind of leads us to where my second, second topic I wanted to touch on was, uh, you mentioning that story from your boss about the, the employee that just dropped dead one day. And, you know, I went through, and I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I've dealt with uh, OCD quite a bit. And like, it's, you know, I th- I'd say it's, it's heavily, it's heavily underdiagnosed and it's heavily misunderstood because of the, the way that people just automatically think about it. And we've talked about it at length before. Um, but, you know, I went through a, a bad bout of a bad combination. It was like, 
it was OCD, but it was an existential kind of crisis that I was going through where, uh, dude, I just, I could not stop thinking about the, the fragility of life. I would wake up and I would just, I say it this way and the way I say it, it'd be like, Oh, that's a great way to think. But I'd wake up and be like, man, it's a miracle that I'm alive. Like just, but it wasn't in like the grateful spiritual way. It was like, Oh fuck. Like yeah, I'm, I'm fucking grateful to be alive. Like I could get hit by a bus any day. Like, you know, it was, yeah. it was just a really strange, you know, three, four months of this year. Um, and it was caused by a variety of things, I believe. Um, but a really, you know, thankful, not, not thankful, but thanks to OCD, you know, really was so repetitive that it just forced me to kind of realize and understand that do life. Like I've, what I've said is we don't think enough and we don't have to think about it all the time, but we don't think enough about how we truly only have one life and how truly, you know, miraculous it is that you and I are even conscious, you know, like, like I, I listened to, I've mentioned it before, uh, Buddhist teacher's name's Gil Fransdahl, and I was listening to a talk of his a week or two ago, and he was just lamenting on the the point of just like, dude, like, just you're walking around and you're a conscious being, like, just just understand that you're just conscious, like that's 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 miraculous in itself, and like having to the the presence of mind to just stay in that moment and appreciate it is something truly special that every one of us has the ability to do and so bringing it to the 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 point of that that dude who died i don't in in understanding the fragility of it all i don't want that to happen you know what i mean i don't want yeah. i understand that it can happen you know there are people that are our age that just don't wake up and i don't want I want a meaningful life. I want to build and replace that mechanism. Uh, I don't like I've told my buddy Dominic uh, a number of times. I'm like, bro, like, you know, if I were to just randomly die one day driving home from the office, like at my funeral or whatever, everybody would be like, oh, like, you know, they'd say the cliche things and whatnot. And I told Dominic, I'm like, bro, I hope that you go up there and you tell it like it is. And you'd be like, <laughs> you know what, man, this guy was probably fucking driving home pissed out of his mind just fucking wish that he was doing something else like and he died and it's so unfortunate that that happened because he had so much drive and potential to do what he loved but he did didn't do it you know and that's that would be horrific you know and, and it really would it's a tragedy so it's, it's it's i don't know i mean i mean what's your take on that you know do you you like you said you heard that story from your boss and how did it influence you? Uh, you know, it's, I think that's um, one of the biggest differences based on, you know, what we're talking about between myself now and myself a few years ago is that I kind of, you know, got that, you hear that. And I mean, you know, there's, I don't know who would listen to this now or even years from now this on the internet and they hear that statement like, Oh, you know, life is fragile. You only have so much time to your thing. You hear that, but you mm -hmm. don't internalize that. Um, and I think the big difference is internalizing that. Mm -hmm. um, so when I first heard the story, it didn't hit me 
as hard until I had my first experiences of like, man, what the fuck am I doing here? Like this sucks. I'm, you know, typing away at a keyboard all day, working on stuff I don't care about. And I could just die. I could just die. Yeah. I mean, and I, you, you know, what do you I, think brought? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue. Um, I sent you an article the other day about um, which, if if you're able That's to, right. you should link it in your description. Uh, I will. Yeah, I yeah. really recommend it. It's um, on Wait But Why. It's a blog post, um, but the concept is about your life in like one hour increments or one day increments. I kind of forget, but it's. It shows it has this chart that's like, oh, if you're this age, this is about how much time you have, and it's broken into sections of this is your the average amount of time someone spends in school, the average amount of time they spend in college, working, retirement, and like one of the things that it says, and this hit me really hard. One of the more senior engineers I spoke to sent this to me, um, in this article it says. By the time you are 18, you have spent 80% of those life points that, or the time that you're ever going to spend with your parents ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's, I love my parents and um, I love spending time with them sometimes, you know, you can get on each other's nerves, but it's just like, holy shit, 18. And it's like, I'm 25. What does mm-hmm. that mean? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I think, I think it's easy for us to get caught up, uh, whether we realize it or not, um, looking at life sort of like a game. Um, and I don't mean that in a good way. I think life should be playful. Actually, I think Alan Watts has something about that. Like life should be a dance. It should be playful. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the sense that um, we can look at numbers and see it as a scoreboard and, right. or we can look at objects and see it as a scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a psychologist. I don't know the answers to this, but it's think about Tinder, right? They gamify dating, um, social media. It's the likes you have. And those are the things for whatever reason, our brain is wired to just be sucked into that. Um, but that's, I think generally not what people want. They just don't quite realize, um, that they're sucked into chasing that. Exactly. And that's where, you know, I think, you know, just to touch on the, I think the quote that you're thinking about with Watts is, is, uh, I just saw it recently too. It was, um, uh, the meaning of life is to be, uh, so engrossed in what you're working on that it is becomes play or something like that. And I think that, that you're, so that's the thing. So this is, this is the big question is, 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 I totally agree. I think we're all wrapped up. I think I think naturally, um, us as a as a species, as as humans, are are evolved to have whatever that mechanism is, that comparative, uh, competitive mechanism. Uh, and now it's it's been exaggerated times ten with the advent of social media and whatnot. What is it that like? What does it take to really wake people up? Uh, and what was it that made you kind of have that realization that, you know, and I, I, I'm right there with you, you know, I, you know, you hear it all the time. Like you said, life is fragile. You only got one life. It's very cliche, but there comes a point where it's like, you finally get it. And you're like, and some people I think 
don't get it. I don't think they ever get it. I think they die not getting it. Um, I'm very unfortunate. But what was it for you, you think, that that kind of woke you up and been like, okay, it's not um, what I will, it's not that I realize this. Yeah. I'll, so I think originally I had this idea, you know, that oh, I need to make money and provide for my family. Um, and to some extent I still do, but I feel like I've reached a point where I could do that. And as I was going on this journey, I would say there are a few instances, I wouldn't say a single one, but a few instances that kind of built on each other that started making me think about it. Um, I think one big one is uh, I'm really close with my my family and um, my older sisters all have kids. I have like eight nieces and nephews now. Mm. And the oldest one I helped a lot with when she was young. Uh, you know, I washed her, I changed her diapers. Um, and so I'm, I'm a little bit um, parental, sort of like my... My sister kind of, uh, her and her didn't um, stay together. So in a sense, I've kind of always been the consistent fatherly figure to her in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, And every summer she goes home or she goes to her father's family. Um, And when I was in college, her father died in a car accident. And I was in Atlanta and I drove down to Alabama is where my sister lives and I was with her when she told her and it was like Mm -hmm. this moment of holy shit like I mean he was young right he was like late 20s oh wow and that was one of the first big ones to me where I was like damn um that's right there um and it it was a few things like that that one was a big powerful one I had some friends of mine from school that, that died. Um, and it was kind of all these things building on top of each other. Um, and I started, I, I didn't, I still didn't get it until I got into the force, uh, the workforce and being at this big tech company and thinking more and more. And the, like, obviously, I mean, I'm not making millions of dollars by any stretch of the imagination, but there's just so much more money than, I had ever seen or like anyone in my family had ever seen and and I knew how happy I was when I was growing up. I had great friends. Um, I never really wanted much. And I realized like more and more people in my life actually were passing away in a like kind of a sad way. And then seeing these people, like I was telling you about these older people that are up the ladder and it's like, they have nothing to show for it besides money. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, don't need that much money to be happy like i i'm less happy now and i have so much more money like what am i doing here um of course i say that as i still have this job hence one of the reasons why i'm not specifically giving any names um but that's what really kind of kickstarted me into thinking about um calculating how do i how do i um leverage the opportunity that i have Mm -hmm. now so that I can very quickly pivot away from that and do things right. that I actually care about, like to the point of finding a new mechanism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. I, I really like that way that you that you said it early in the podcast, and I'm going to continue to use that as replacing the mechanism. Um, 
And I agree. It's so it's so unfortunate though that you know it takes death and it takes extreme circumstances to awaken us. Uh, and some of us even do go through those extreme circumstances and still don't uh, begin to realize uh, how fragile and how how you know. To, I can't really find a better way to say it other than than you kind of just wake up, and uh, I don't know. You know, I think I think a, a thing for me um, personally when I would see it, you know, I would talk to older people and I would talk to people that were more experienced in my industry, uh, and everything that I noticed was that when they got into my industry, they all were uh, married, they had a kid, they you know were they were they were in that game already they were in the game where it's like i developed my meaning uh from my family i developed my meaning for providing for my family and i'm happy to do so you know and, and maybe i'm not happy that i spend eight to ten hours a day at this job right uh but it's it's literally it's like you have to do that and every time i would hear that story I'd, and i'd always ask it i would say you know how'd you get started and they would say uh well you know i had a kid and like it was so so common and I was just sit there and be like, man, like, what am I doing? Like, I don't have a kid. I don't have a job. I don't have a kid. I don't have a wife. I don't have a, a house. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm very lucky with, with having been, uh, you know, debt free and whatnot. Uh, what am I doing here? And, and I was thinking about this earlier today or earlier this weekend. And it was, you know, like I've always considered myself, uh, to be a dreamer. And I, I, I am, I know I am. Um, I dream big and I dream, you know, I just, I'm a very emotional guy and I just, uh, I daydream and I fucking, you know, I feel like I'm like when I was like, playing baseball and I was a little kid, like I would just sit there and just dream about all these things and like, just, just what I would do. And as a professional and what I would do as a baseball player and all these different things. And now it's become, you know, that's, that's never left. And I don't think it ever will. And uh, I hope not. It's one of the things I love about you. That's what I, I appreciate that. I, I hope it doesn't either. And it's 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 uh, what I was thinking about was like, OK, I quit baseball when I was like 21 or something like that. And at that point, basically, I was saying, you know, I'm, I'm ending that dream of mine and it's like society says, it's like, okay, that dream's over time to get in the workforce time to keep going. Uh, it's not blatant, but it's just kind of the way things were supposed to go. And I was thinking, I'm like, man, like we ask, we ask individuals to stop dreaming at such a young age. You know what I mean? Like, at least it, it, it feels that way. It's like I'm 21. And if I think about, what I knew as an individual at 21 versus what I know now, it's like just the, the, the growth has been so much. And it's like, dude, like I can't imagine telling a 21 year old to just, just give up man. just, just, just get your head to the grindstone and work your way up at the ladder. And, and, and I know that that's not what actually happens. Nobody deliberately says that, but I feel like it's something we all feel. You know what I mean? It's I don't know. Definitely implied. I'm sorry, you cut out there for a second. You said it's as you say it's definitely implied. Yeah, it's implied, and you're pushed towards it. Sort of. I mean, I, well, because I 
Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, that, that society is geared in a way, you know, especially here in America where it's like, it's like, okay. So, so say I want to quit today and go start my own bakery. Uh, well, you're going to have to think about, you know, what happens. You got to think about a lot of what ifs, you know, you got to think about health insurance. Uh, and that's just, that's one of my biggest things is, is health insurance. Um, being provided by the employer uh, because how big of a deterrent is that for so many people? I mean, that's been weighing on my mind for a long time and I've, I've understood now I've looked into it enough where I know that it's not as bad as I originally thought. However, it's still like an $8,000 deductible. I mean, it'll make it easy. And uh, yeah, it just feels, it feels as though the gears of society are meant to keep you in that system. And and it, it does make sense because it's like the point of society is to have like a stable population where there's a growth and there's, you know, you can have the good things in life. You know, you can have the family and the house and the, 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 the golden retriever and whatnot. Um, but it's for those individuals that want something. I don't want to say a little more, but just, just want to go their own way it's very difficult. You know, it feels very difficult. Yeah. The the great uh, irony of it is we we are in arguably the in time geographic wise to be that in the U S it's kind of like Mm -hmm. supposed to be our zeitgeist. Um, Right. And, you know, I, I very much, um, I empathize with your story too, with, with baseball. Um, and and feeling like you have to kind of go up your dream because it was soccer for me right and mm-hmm. i was playing italy at a pretty competitive level and it's like at a certain point you realize you're either not good enough or it's just not gonna happen and you kind of have you have to split right um and i you know bringing it back forward is i i hear you and that's kind of like the health insurance and the financials and like going your own way it's kind of even though we don't have families, you still feel like you're kind of jumping off a cliff. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. And how you were talking about this, like you're grateful to be alive, but it's not a grateful in the sense of like, you're just like happy. It's grateful in the sense of there's this pressure. Like you're, you're thinking, Oh shit, I could die tomorrow and I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I could die tomorrow and people are not going to say what I want them to say at my funeral. Sure. And, and I, I do think, um, if you start thinking about it from a lens of, uh, I want, I, I had a friend say this to me uh, a long time ago, said, you know, when I die, I want people to have cool stories to tell about me mm-hmm. at my funeral. Uh, and I think if you think about life kind of from that perspective, or like you think about that as like, that's your goal, not, not just um, providing for family, which it's like, yes, I want to do that. But I shouldn't have to you know, sacrifice all these things. And I don't know, I guess it, it it's strange how to a certain extent, there's really not that many risks, right? Like the closest thing you have to um, a dependent on you or, or a thing to tie you down is a girlfriend. And that's not even necessarily something Absolutely. that's tying you down. Yeah. Right. right. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's scary. Um, well, go ahead. If you got some, you 
I, I was just gonna say it's it's scary, but it's like um, if you're clever about it, like right now you're kind of do baking in tandem with working, and you're building that up, and so it's like there are ways that you can kind of be smarter about it, and it's it's I think always gonna be scary, right, right, no matter what, and I I totally agree with you there, and and <clears throat> uh, one thing that I did want to say, touch on you you did say you talked about the irony with us being in America and it's supposed to be this, this, uh, land of great opportunity. You know, I was like, as you know, I've, one of the big things that I like to think about is, and it's spoken about in, in, uh, Buddhist, uh, tradition quite often is in, you know, they talk about liberation, uh, could also be freedom, whatever. Uh, but really asking myself, you know, what does it mean to be free? And what I was thinking about in relation to the United States is that we think that, you know, what I've realized is that just because you're in the United States does not mean you're free. It means that you have the opportunity to become free. You know what I mean? Yes. I like the way you put that. Right. So you don't. It's the like, pursuit of happiness, not it's, happiness. Right. Exactly. It's it's not. Yeah, absolutely. And then so it's where it's like, well, you live in a free country and it's like, well, but I'm not free because it's like, I have to go, you know, when we did go to the office, I have to go to the office today. And then once I'm done at the office, I'm tired and I'm, I, you know, I hit the gym, I come home, I shower and it's time to do it all over again. And it's like, that's not freedom to me, you know? And I think the deeper you, you contemplate freedom, the deeper you contemplate truth, the more you realize you're like, dude, like, like the more you realize you're not free. And I think the more you realize that, uh, there are going to be risks to become truly free on a personal right. level. And, and, and that's where, you know, kind of leads me into what we were texting about yesterday is, you know, you say it's, it's scary and no doubt I, 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 this is something I think about all the time and I'm always scared about it, but I was thinking about it the other day and I don't ask myself this question ever really, but I asked myself this the other day and it was, uh, you know, cause I, I've, I've recently been making a budget and uh it's pretty detailed i think it's pretty good i need to factor in my my costs for running the bakery uh but i think i've got it you know that's kind of the missing piece of the budget but i had all my expenses laid out and my one-time expenses throughout the year and everything and i was looking at it and i was looking at my my current levels of of savings and investments and stuff and i was like you know it's not it's not that bad like you know it's this is definitely doable you know you have a you have a you have a uh, not a massive backstop, but you have a good size backstop. And right. uh, I asked myself, I'm like, dude, what, what are you really afraid of? And I, I, I don't, you know, I, 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 it's still something I'm chewing on and trying to digest, but it's like you said, it's like, you know, we don't have that many dependents, you know, we don't have dependents at all. You know, yeah, you, you know, you can, you can, you know, if you want to classify the girlfriend as that, but it's like, at the same time, it's like, you know, like she's, uh, she's her own individual. I'm my own individual. Like the only thing it's more of a, it's more of a, I want, I long to take her out on a date and be able to, to buy her dinner or nice, you know, whatever every now and then and stuff. But at the end of the day, you're your own dependent. And, uh, yeah. you know, what is there to be afraid of? What is, let's think, I mean, you know, it's like, okay, am I going to lose all my money tomorrow? Like that was a, that was a big thing for me is, is, you know, I always liken it to, you know, you could say jumping off a cliff. I always liken it to, uh, uh, holding onto the edge of a pool. And 
you know, eventually you got to just let go of the edge. And uh, uh, I think there's that fear of just drowning immediately and just being like, oh, fuck, I'm gone. Yeah, um, I like that it's, analogy. It's just, it's it's an interesting thing to think about. I, I just don't quite know where where and when the breaking point is. And the more I've talked to entrepreneurs and people who did this their own way, and uh, the more I realize people like you and people like me, um, like we have it very good, you know, like we aren't, as we've said before, we aren't married. We don't have kids. We don't have a house. Uh, I know people who have kids who have, who are married, who do have a house, who are older than us, who still did it. And, and, Mm -hmm. It's like when you factor that in, it's like, man, like, like, well, like you said, you want to have cool stories. And I was talking to someone the other day and I said, you know, how, how much of an adventure would it be to just say, I'm doing it? You know what I mean? Like, I'm doing it. And, and it would be such an adventure, whether, you, whether you're successful or whether you fail, you know? Yeah, I, I really like um, where you're going with there. And I really like the pool analogy because to a certain extent, if you're, if you haven't done any sort of preparation and you just let go, you mm-hmm. will f- flail around and you might drown or you mm-hmm. might figure out how to flail in such a way that you're okay. Um, but it's kind of, uh, there's this, this idea that um, my friend mentioned to me that I really like about casting a vote for yourself. And the way I was kind of thinking about it separately from him was uh you know, putting a bet on yourself. Like, um, it's kind of like we're willing to buy a stock or you're willing to bet on a racehorse that you don't know about or a sports team you don't know. But if you know yourself and you know you're building those skills, you're learning how to swim, let's say, with the analogy, like you know how to tread water. And you even have some minor floaties even, like you've saved some money, Mm -hmm. um, like which we have no dependence and we have white collar jobs it's kind of like you just kind of live you save money in that state uh, yeah 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 so it's like it, it's sort of betting on yourself like hey i know how to fucking swim not only do i know how to swim i know how to swim fast as fuck like mm-hmm. and uh, i i think we're just kind of wired to be scared of the unknown um and like i i'm back in my hometown and I'm sort of, I'm trying to get into rental properties, right? As trying to find a different a niche, a different cash flow of something that I actually am more interested in. And it's scary. Like I haven't, I've been doing all this research and I have all these, this knowledge um, and I have these people and it's, it's like, I'm scared to make that plunge, right? But at the same time, I'm more scared to end up in that scenario like we were talking about where I don't have any cool stories at a funeral. And my real homie is like, yeah, he was fucking miserable and didn't do what he wanted to do. It's like that yeah, to me. I'm yeah. more scared. It seems like you are as well. And I think that's a sort of a great place to be in, actually. Um, but it's, I think... I like this idea of voting on yourself or, or betting on yourself. It's like if you're willing to buy a stock that you don't even fully understand, like, but you know that I'm building this skill, I'm getting good at baking, I'm 
figuring out how to produce this better, like, you know, bet on yourself. Right. No, no, no. And you're, you're, you're totally, I mean, that's where I've, I've seen this quote, like, you know, it's kind of a cheesy, I don't know if it's a lyric or what, but it's like, you know, I, I stacked all the chips on me or something like that. And, uh, honestly, it's like, it's, it's when you say it, when you put it that way, it's, it's, a uh, you know, put it that way as, as in like, we will just, you know, toss money at a stock or toss money at a, at a racehorse or a, or a lottery machine. Uh, but you won't do it yourself. And I think that's the, that's kind of just the, the, the nature of life in and of itself is just, just that constant battle with, with self doubt, with, with self confidence. Um, and it's just ever changing. It's tough to, to get in a constant flow. And I think for, especially for individuals like, like yourself and myself, where we are very analytical about things and very, uh, uh, think very deeply about the decisions that we make. Uh, it's much more natural for us to be very hesitant to let go as opposed to like, we've got plenty, you know, I've got plenty of friends who are, are much more daredevils, much more risky, uh, who are like, dude, yeah, you know, I took one, I took one, uh, swim lesson five years ago. Fuck it. I'll jump off the diving board, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, like you said, you know, some sink, some swim. Uh, but, uh, for people that are very analytical, I think it's, it makes it, it makes it much more difficult to let go, but I think that once you let go, it's going to be much a much smoother dive than if you were to just say fuck it and just jump off. But so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think uh, I don't know. It's a it's an ever working process, and I think it's what I've really thought about is it's interesting for again people like you and I because uh, neither one of, we haven't made those decisions yet, and we haven't made that leap. Uh, and so it's interesting to discuss this because this conversation is to be determined. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's to yeah. be continued, you know, it's to be continued. It's a, you know, I have a great friend of mine who, uh, uh, loves to do his passion is pottery. You know, he makes these great mugs, great mugs and, 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 and uh, uh, vases and whatnot. And he was in, you know, to, I would say his name, but I, you know, he was in, he was in the, the corporate world for a very short period of time, just went in, three or four months said he knew it right away. He's like, I'm fucking out of here. I'm out. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's been working on pottery ever since. And now he's kind of, he's really getting into it, uh, as his, as, as trying to make it his sole mechanism. Um, and again, that story is to be continued. And I think it's just interesting to, to talk about these types of, uh, dilemmas and these types of, of growth, uh, circumstances that, people like us go through um and it's all about at the end of the day i think it's all about developing or giving yourself the opportunity to develop some sort of meaning in life you know what i mean it's it's to break away from the the ball and chain uh uh and like i said you know i'm telling my podcast about bacon you know i do i love to make bread yeah i love to make bread but but that's not the main thing that I'm doing it for. You know what I mean? I'm doing it for, for the meaning I'm doing it for the, 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 the being true to myself and, and pursuing, um, those deeper facets of life. And I think that that's what we all, we all need to contemplate, you know? Yeah. I, that there's two things that I just kind of reminded me. I, I was thinking about earlier is, uh, the freedom thing is, I think one of the big hurdles as well that keeps people from it is 
it's not just choosing to seek freedom and pursue that. It's sort of a paradox of choice where it's like you kind of have an infinite options in front of you of what your freedom could look like. Right. No, absolutely. And what you want to be free, like the way in which you want to be free can be a difficult journey in its own right, let alone the actual pursuit of freedom. And I, I really liked um, your idea about the ghost runner. Um, I thought that was interesting because um, I had I had this uh, idea in my head um, and I was talking with my friend about this idea of like, you know, I like talking about what's my personality type? What's your personality type? And one of the common things that I see um, with people that I feel like I can identify the most with is the idea of seeking truth, uh, right? Like, and I think that's one of the reasons why, like, I'm not friends with anyone that's an extremist on any political end, right? Like, because most people that are not extremists are seeking kind of some form of truth. And I, I think that's one thing I very much connect with you is, is, is seeking a truth. Mm-hmm. And I see that ghost runner as you're seeking your own truth. You're trying to figure out who you are truly and then going after it absolutely i think that i think that the goal is is essentially you know to to become the ghost runner you know to become that which you are foreseeing yourself as you know and 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 it's like this you know when i was you know a couple years ago or whatever i was uh um i was studying to go get my MBA. You know, it was like this, this fallacy that I had in my head. It was, it was, again, it was a, it was a very extreme, you know, extreme for me, uh, way of saying like, uh, uh, I'm going to pursue the rat race. I'm going to pursue the social and corporate hierarchy. Um, I remember having this vision in my head. It was like, you know, what does an MBA graduate look like? And I was like, well, and what does he do today? You know, like, and what do, what do I do today? And it was like, one of the things was like, you know, I can't see my, I can't see an MBA graduate like smoking weed or doing all these things and like all these things that I did. And, and, uh, over time you just kind of understand and, and, and through introspection and through, uh, understanding why, why are you pursuing this MBA? Why are you pursuing that social and corporate hierarchy, uh, it takes a lot of courage to say to yourself, you know, this is why it is. And it can be a variety of reasons. You know, it could be the way you were raised. It could be the, the, the external influences of your friends, of social media, of, of just, it could even be just you having to admit to yourself that you don't know what you want and that you truly are lost. You know, I remember yeah. one time I was sitting, I was sitting in a bar, hotel bar. This is like some fucking, here's a country story you know i remember it was like it was like a handful three four weeks before i was supposed to take the the gmat and i had been studying hard and doing all these things and i had to go on a work trip to uh north carolina to your neck of the woods i don't know i don't know if that's your neck of the woods but i was over that way and i was in a hotel bar and like you know i before the trip i had this uh idea that I was going to be studying in the hotel and I was going to be doing this and I was going to be doing that. And I was going to be, you know, grinding because that's, that's me and I'm the MBA guy. And, uh, I wasn't doing any of that. And I remember just sitting in the bar, you know, by myself, you know, it was, it was a little bit earlier, uh, in the evening and man, I was just 
it was like when I, I finally admitted to myself that I was just lost. You know, I was just like, yeah. fucking, I'm lost. I don't know worth. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. You know, I remember, you know, I'd be a sit there and be like, man, I remember when I left Santa Rosa to go to to Salinas, and my biggest driving force for that was because I thought it would be a better opportunity to to start a bakery. And I would think to myself back then, I'm like, dude, you're only, you're not even truly pursuing that right now. Like, like, what are you doing? And it's just that, that admission of, of who you are, which can be very uh, scary to do. You yeah. Know? I, I, and I think this brings me back to that point of uh, casting a vote for who you want to be. That idea is that the, the one side of it is I'm going to do these things and say, I am this person who does these right. things and you're casting right. a vote for that. But the other side of that is if you're not explicitly doing that, you're still casting a vote for some type of person you want to be, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, to your point of when you said, I'm going to be an NBA guy, you're like explicitly casting that vote mm-hmm. to be that NBA guy who grinds. But at the same time, when you, said i'm gonna go back to salinas and like you you're starting to realize like you know i want to potentially do um making bread and stuff but by not doing it you are casting a vote to not be that guy right yeah you know it goes two ways you're either way you're casting a vote you know um and i think you know i don't know that's why i always preach in these in these podcasts and these solo ones especially is the importance of of introspection and reflection no matter what whatever your method of doing it is uh and just being truthful with yourself. I mean, being truthful with, uh, you know, this is one thing that like, Joe Rogan has spoken about with, with his his thoughts on marijuana as to why there can be a benefit to it. I don't necessarily agree with this at all, but like, you know, he'll say like, oh, you know, I think it's kind of good because it makes you kind of paranoid and that helps you learn. And I'm like, yeah. dude, you know, honestly, like, okay, yeah, I get that. I get that. But also, you know, marijuana can cause a little bit more paranoia than than is is needed. Um, but it's very good. It's very good to, to, to admit your flaws and, and, uh, recognize them and see how you can improve as an individual, how you can improve, um, you know, to help the community, to help you. I mean, I just, to, to, to grow personally, I don't know. And what do you, what would you say, what is a method or, or a realization for you that, that, that has gone along those same lines that has helped you to kind of be more introspective or, or reflect more deeply? You know, um, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I mean, I think you can kind of understand as like being an athlete and playing a sport for so much for so long. And then, um, and this, I mean, one, one of many things kind of, but this was a big one for me that I've focused a lot on this past year is, you know, we we're talking about earlier, you come home, you kind of, you'd have a beer, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go run or hit the gym or do whatever you weren't really taking care of yourself you were kind of taking the edge off and distracting yourself from the fact that you weren't casting a vote for who you wanted to be you're kind of lost as you were saying right and i as i was kind of coming to these realizations i was like you know i weigh more than i've ever weighed which i mean i wasn't you know like obese or huge or anything but i was just like feeling kind of crappy like um and I said, you know, I'm going to go for a run. And I, I just, I could barely run. Um, just, I, and I just felt disgusting. I, I wasn't, yeah. I looked in the mirror and, and um, there's a guy, actually, I think I might have, well, there's one of my close friends has a separate close friend 
who I have not directly met, but he's into ultra marathon running and he kind of, he started his own thing. Uh, right. As we're talking about, you know, we are not quite there yet, but right. we're, cal- we're working on it and we're calculating our risks. Um, and it's to be determined right. but this guy started his own brand no way. of ultra marathon running apparel and his own blog. And, uh, it's called wicked trail running and I'll send you a link. You should include that in your notes too. I, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, check it out. But he's got all these little blog posts he writes, and he wrote his own book. No and, way. And yeah, and he he's run ultra marathons. He's even ran uh, won an ultra race. And this guy kind of put on like it pushed me. I started reading about ultra marathon, and it kind of pushed me in the directions of like David Goggins, who's kind of another big influence yeah, in yeah, yeah. in this realm of let's say guys sort of like our demographic, right? Right. Um, and he was talking about all these things and, you know, don't be poopy pants, you know, and and I then I got I so I it kind of started inspiring me. I was like, yeah, I don't want to be this weak, soft person. Like, obviously, I don't necessarily want to be David Goggins, but uh, like he has a point. It's like, don't sit there and be poopy pants and feel sorry for yourself. Like, yeah. And um, I think you'll appreciate <clears throat> reading some of that guy's blogs. Very like, you know this is why I do things I do. This is why you should feel discomfort. This is why like one of his things is seek discomfort. Yeah. And it got me back into running a lot. Um, and I don't, I don't listen to any music. So it's become a meditative period for me. And I don't know, I think just, and I got COVID and I I felt like I was in the worst physical shape of my life. And I just kind of looked in the mirror and, one of David Goggins' things was I was listening to his audio or his book in audio yeah, format. Yeah, yeah. And he called it the accountability mirror. And I was just looking at myself and I was like, you got to fix this, man. And <laughs> I've actually, I mean, I've lost like 16 pounds this year. No way. And I like my goal is to run a marathon and then I want to try to do an Ironman and I have a really cheap, shitty bike. That's a whole conversation that's separate. Um, because it, they estimate it costs like 20 grand to do an Ironman. And I'm no like, way. that's that's way too much fucking money. So I want to prove that I can do it on shitty equipment as well. So yeah, I got to train yeah, yeah. extra hard. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of go, veering a little off topic, kind of looping back to something no, we were talking about earlier. The, um, when did you realize life is actually like finite? Like you kind of heard it. Yeah. But when did you internalize it? And I'd like to think I had a bit of a moment since I've been home my my niece has been biking with me while I'm running kind of like mm-hmm. pacing me she's got my water and yeah. she's talking to me and stuff and uh, I'm dying of sweat and you know but um we were talking about things kind of as I'm running and we were talking about sort of some of these ideas obviously distilled down to a 13 year old girl um and I I think um, that's one thing that I hope I can kind of instill in her. And I like to think that she kind of had a bit of a moment the other day when we were running together. She was like, she's like, why are you pushing yourself so hard? Yeah. You know, why, you know, why are you trying to run so fast? And, and I told her, I said, you know, it's, it's not the idea of being even good at running or running fast. It's the idea that I'm putting myself in an uncomfortable position and I'm putting my head in a space in which I'm challenging myself. And right. it's sort of a meditation. And it's you get one body. 
so you should explore that body. You should push it to its limits and you get one mind and you should explore that and push it to its limits. And she was like, you know, I mean, she's like a 13 year old who uses TikTok, right? Like, so yeah, she was like, yeah. wow, damn, <laughs> damn, you know, it, but you made her think, you know, you know, and, and I mean, I, I, I hope that's something I can instill in her. And I hope that's something that, you know, we're in the middle of trying to figure out ourselves. Right. Right. Um, no, that's, that's, a, I mean, that's, that's absolutely spot on with what you're saying is, is, uh, putting yourself in a place of discomfort to really see and instill just that, that toughness. And I think that, you know, being athletes, you know, I always think back and I'm always very thankful for uh, one of my old coaches who he really instilled that in, in me, like me and these guys, like we, he was the first guy that really introduced us to the lifting weights and uh, getting stronger and faster. And then, uh, really focusing on our fitness and man, like that I'm so thankful for that because it really taught me how much you truly can put in. You know, I think David Goggins has a saying like, what is it? Is it like the 40% rule or like the 70% rule where he's oh, like, yeah. when you think you're about done, you really are at like 70%. You really have 30 yeah, or 60% yeah. more. Um, and just, I'm thankful for my, my, athletic career because that taught me that that's a, a thing. And that was, a, that was one of my, my big drivers, a similar story to you with, with when I ran a marathon, which was, uh, you know, I went out there, could hardly run a mile and was like, fuck this. Like I'm a fucking loser. I, I, I and you, and you have this, especially when you're an athlete, you have this internal thought of yourself as like, you're always in shape. You're always strong. Yeah, you're always it's part of your you know, identity. You kind of just, yeah, absolutely. It's part of your identity until you, you know, start taking the edge off every afternoon and uh you're suddenly 24 and you're like oh shit i can barely run a mile and uh casting that vote against yourself cast it yeah you just kind of cast yeah yeah absolutely you're casting your vote against yourself and you, you you finally wake up and you say i'm gonna cast it for me but uh no i think that that's that's a, absolutely a uh fantastic way to get to that point is to put yourself and i've thought about it you know, uh, the comparisons that I've made between, uh, more of a, a Vipassana Buddhist type of meditation and, uh, the physical me uh, meditation of, of running, of walking, whatever, but running in particular, um, when you're running, you've got all these, especially without music, you've got all these excuses being made as to why you shouldn't run up this next hill why you should why you know oh, well like you know i didn't really stretch that good and like my knee is kind of barking at me but it's not you know it's like you just everything's coming at you and and telling you why you shouldn't do it and when you're sitting down uh uh vipassana style meditating you've got all these thoughts going through your head and it's not necessarily saying like i guess in, in that instance it's saying you know don't sit still, you know, don't be still. Um, and, and in both circumstances, it's about recognizing that influence and recognizing that you have the ability to break through and move forward and that those feelings are impermanent, you know, that those feelings are not lasting and that you are stronger 
than than what those those thoughts are that are coming through. So I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that that uh you know pushing yourself physically is is certainly a great way to reflect and a great way to toughen the mind and and, and the body. Yeah. It certainly helps helps you um think and have some clarity of mind. No, I agree. But uh I don't know, how do you how do you feel? You want to you get you have anything you want to keep going or what do you think? We're at a, an hour and fifteen minutes. I mean, I mean, man, I think it's. I, just go ahead. I I feel like there's so many things I could go down and talk with you about. Um, and I mean, I'm obviously I'm, I'm happy to come back on at any time, man. Um, and you know, I don't want to I don't want to drag on um, too much for people, but um, no, I think yeah. I think uh, I think we're at a good spot. I think you know I don't want to. Um, uh, I've been doing about a half an hour lately and, and I, I obviously, I do want my, my, uh, face to face or, you know, you know, guest, uh, interviews to be longer. And I think we're at a good spot right now. And I think we've covered a lot of topics, uh, really, I think we went really well. Um, and yeah, I think that we should definitely have a part two and a part three and, a, you know, I think we, like you said, we can go down a lot of different rabbit holes together. And, uh, I thought this was great. I thought it was really good. Yeah, man. I, I'm glad it finally happened i mean i i was excited about it for a while i you know i mean the moving out of the apartment in seattle and all this logistics but you know it's we finally made it happen and it's just we figured out the technical aspect too so yeah, next time yeah, yeah. it's easy just click and boom and we're ready going. to go no i i totally agree and i was a little a little worried because i didn't want to put uh i don't want to push you too hard just because i knew you were you were doing the big move and everything like that and uh you know yeah, I ended up, you know, I was, I was busy too. So it worked out, you know, let's do it on a Sunday and, um, it went, it went really well, I think. So I'm excited to to put this together and get it up on Spotify and I'll, I'll let, uh, I'll let everybody know when it's ready to rock. Right on, man. I appreciate you for having me and I look forward to the future and I will toast you through this camera. Cheers, brother. Cheers. All right, Alex, will you get, uh, uh, some good sleep out there and, uh, I'll work on this and, uh, it was great, great talking to you. Right on brother. I'll talk All to right, you brother. soon. I'll talk Peace. to you soon.